0: Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland, brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. Visit them at msfi.ca.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Offside Hockey Talk to start season three of the podcast. And we couldn't think of a better way to kick it off but to sit down with Lance Hornby of the Toronto Sun. He covers the Toronto Maple Leafs and break down a little bit of the Atlantic division and the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into this season. Lance, thank you for taking the time. How are you this evening?
2: I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. And and I'm sitting beside, as always, my co-host, Doug Ireland. Doug, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing good, other than the fact that
0: I seem to keep speaking over you today, James.
1: (laughs) That's all right. That's what a good, healthy discussion's for, I guess. Well, we're going to jump right into the thick of things. So, Lance, the Atlantic Division, a lot of teams seem to have made strides. Uh, You look at Buffalo, you look at Florida, uh, Boston State, Pat, and, of course, Tampa Bay. They always seem to fit some more guys into their roster. So why don't we break down what we think is going to happen here? Who do you think comes out on top of the Atlantic Division this year?
2: Uh, on top of the Atlanta Division. Well, that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I think, uh, despite the fact that Tampa Bay, uh, like a lot of favorite teams, uh, hit a wall uh, in April, I don't see uh, them fading uh, anytime soon. A lot of um, you know there's a lot of uh, inspiration there to not only uh, to do better, but also as you guys touched on, to uh, to beat Florida. And uh, you know, this is all in for Florida. Uh, they're sick of being second banana down there. Uh, they've made some changes. Uh, You you know, getting back to Tampa Bay, though, uh, you know, you you don't say no to Kucherov, uh, to Stamkos, to a lot of the good uh, defensemen that they have, to the fact that uh, Vasilevsky uh, has not slowed down and is still uh, young and in his prime, and uh, he's going to win them a lot of games. So uh, I'm looking for them to do well. Uh, You know, Boston... Uh, That was an interesting finish with Toronto, of course, last year and trying to get, uh, you know, that the the playoff matchup was more or less set uh, heading into uh, February, March, April. But uh, if they can get some more mileage out of uh, Bridgeron and other McAvoys uh, signed, I think there's going to be, uh, you know, another team to move on there. Uh, Certainly Boston is uh, is not to be taken lightly. And uh, they seem to squeeze another year out of... uh, Zdeno Chara, I think it's going to be uh, important as well. Never give up on uh, Pittsburgh. I, I think it's, the it's miles a, will start uh, catching up that... on him. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're talking about uh, uh, Chara or uh, Crosby?
1: I'm talking about uh, Zdeno Chara. I mean, Crosby, well, you oh, see yeah. the, the puck off the foot already, but definitely Chara. I mean, you look yeah. at the miles the guy's played and also the fact that he's already playing into his 40s. So this guy here is going right. to be suiting up what this season for his he's 42 43 years old you know father time eventually right. does take everyone so i think the legs may be the first oh, thing I to go. think so. but he's got that long stick
2: yeah yeah you can't uh you can't teach uh, six foot seven or whatever it is uh that he is certainly uh you know and you know uh, still uh an inspiration in the room i think uh To a lot of people, Uh, yes, he's uh, not the player he was before, but uh, it's just what he brings, and I think that whole uh, that whole Boston mentality there—stick together, you know—the common man, the uh, you know the the efforts that uh, they've put forward, uh, you know, keeping their salary cap in line. Mostly, uh, you know, I think there's something to do that, and I think Cassidy is still a very good coach, and people saw that he was much more flexible than Mike Babcock uh, in the series, and and that uh, they were able to go deep. And it's, uh, going to be quite, I think, uh, if, you know, when you add in uh, the teams, you guys are talking about uh, Buffalo being bet- better, uh, Florida, as I mentioned, uh, before Carolina's obviously made some changes too. So, uh, it's, it's going to be a tighter East, uh, for certain.
1: Well, I look at the Atlantic itself and you, you talk about Tampa, you know, having things to prove, obviously going out in four to Columbus, then you have Boston slot in second in the Atlantic. For me, and I'm going to put my homer cap on for one second, I think the moves that Toronto made in the summer and the team they're going to be icing this season, for whatever reason, I feel like they're going to be over the top in the Atlantic division being number one. And I think Tampa will be second, followed by Florida in third in the Atlantic. And we may actually get to see that battle of Florida to see who uh, who wins down there, to see who's going to be second fiddle. And wouldn't it be something if the Panthers pulled off a, a victory in the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Lightning?
2: Oh yeah, I think a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, Joel Quinville as a coach. Uh, you know, I think Sergei is a uh, logical uh, successor to uh, to Luongo. I, I've always liked uh, you know uh, Hubert Obarkov. Uh, a lot of those players who've uh, who've been quite uh, you know uh, you know quite productive last season, certainly, but uh, they obviously had some issues uh, on the back end. They have to, uh, they have to fix, but uh, it would really be good for the league, uh, you know, and then, you know, jumping up to the other part of the Eastern Seaboard, you have uh, Jack Hughes uh, being, you know, a a very big uh, uh, factor in trying to get that rivalry with the Rangers going. Capo Caco as well. That's going to be something to watch. Uh, And then you have, uh, it's going to start on Wednesday night, DJ Smith, the former Leaf coach now in charge of, Ottawa and if uh, Ottawa isn't uh, skill, skill worthy I think they're certainly going to be uh, kind of a rough and tumble team that uh, is going to cause some trouble in the east so there you have uh, three or four different uh, firefights and hotspots going on there in the conference not just in the Atlantic Division
1: yeah absolutely no, definitely well Doug who do you got coming out on top in the, the Atlantic Division and obviously shaking out for the couple spots and then we can talk about the east overall as well
0: well, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with uh, with Lance here. I think the the Lightning they're, they're just more tuned than the Leafs are. They're uh, they're set up to to win. Like just because they they petered out a little bit in the playoffs, that just doesn't speak to how they're gonna play during the regular season, which is probably going to be good. Um, the flip side of that is that the Leafs are finally settled in on a roster. Uh, they're not gonna be focusing on unrestricted free agencies or restricted free agencies, agents agents. Uh, it's all settled. They have the roster set. Uh, you know, there's a few guys here and there that probably going to be shoveled up and down, but for the most part, all the big guys are set down in stone. Uh, I'm just looking at it, and I'm trying to figure out how the Leafs are going to end up playing Boston in the first round again.
1: Because you, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, that'll so. be something. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, now I, I, I don't I, think I the Toronto and Boston play this year. Play uh, Montreal? Sorry, Lance. I would love to see them play Montreal. Sorry, I was going to
2: say... <laughs> yeah yeah you know i just think of all those years that uh that boston and and montreal met and how uh, i i mean i i loved covering it but uh, i wasn't down in the trenches with those guys they uh, they played each other uh well and you know well to 20 twenty, twenty five times in a stretch there of about 30 uh, something years so that was uh that was something to watch but uh as much as the the canadians of you know, uh, how uh, Max Domi's come along and, uh, and Kerry Prey still has a lot to offer. Uh, they're going to be tough, I think, to uh, to get in, even though they only missed by a, by a couple of points at the end. I, I just think the teams have uh, have picked up, certainly, the Atlantic uh, Division and in, and in the East overall.
1: What do you make of the Jonathan Drewen trade rumours? Obviously, you have Bergevin coming out and saying, you know, it was a blogger in a basement in Toronto who came up with that. I mean, have you heard anything or is there anything to it? Uh, A lot of people saying that there is a little bit of uh, fire where there's some smoke, but obviously Bergevin comes out and denies it, but we all know every time he denies it, that guy's future in Montreal is no longer a certain thing.
2: Well, you know, the kid's moved around a little bit uh, already. And uh, it, it is quite difficult, I think, sometimes, for especially for a French-Canadian kid who doesn't, you know, even even uh, a Quebec walker who, who does well isn't uh, above criticism or scrutiny. And, uh, you know, Drew has had that a little bit before. Most people thought he was going to uh, to excel, uh, you know, in, uh, in Montreal. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, the season has to start. And get moving a little bit. I think there's going to be some uh different uh you know, there'll be some different results around league. But as I said, uh, you know, based on on what I saw with some of the uh, exhibition games against the Habs, uh I, I think they'll be whatever, uh around uh the eight to ten mark, but uh just falling a little short in playoffs, I believe.
0: Yeah, you know what? I uh well I, we- I would be happy with a, a Montreal team that didn't make the playoffs this year. Um I personally I've got them in Ottawa at the bottom of my Atlantic division. Uh I I I just my gut tells me that there's there's unrest there. Uh and it's not going to like I guess I guess I'm going against the grain here. I just don't see I don't see the spark in Carey Price anymore. I see a guy that's frustrated and I'm starting to see shades of uh Patrick Waugh and I don't know. That's just a gut feeling I'm getting. I could be wrong. Uh but yeah, I just I don't see I don't see very much positive coming out of Montreal this year, that's for sure.
2: Well, hopefully he doesn't make the answer that Patrick Waugh did uh, in, the, in the 90s there, uh, The no. uh, walking past the owner's booth and telling him, uh, trade me right now, or whatever the uh, yeah. translation was. Maybe, from, maybe uh, not that from bad. That. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but it does seem like there is something that needs to be done in Montreal. Obviously, for whatever reason, they're not weaponizing the cap space they have to be able to... You know, even take on a bad contract and maybe get an asset or two, kind of like the uh, the Arizona Coyotes have done. I'm wondering why they're not doing that, and also I'm wondering why they're not uh, maybe targeting you know free agents or trying to bring something in. I um, you know, you look at the RFA situations that that could be out there. They don't seem to have anybody they need to save the money for right now. So I'm wondering why they're not filling out that roster. But hey, you know what? Like Doug said, if Montreal's not getting the playoffs, I guess Leafs fans are pretty happy.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it should be interesting to see, uh, you know, if they do that. You know, it, it's not quite, uh, you know, as Toronto, as Toronto and other teams found out. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, certain Canadian markets are desirable, and uh, you know, Montreal I think is a great place to play. But also, uh, teams not doing well. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, you only have a limited scope of free agents you can go after, or guys who uh, who are willing to waive their no trade to go
1: there. No, definitely. Well, the same thing could be said for the Leafs a few seasons ago, right? We chased down Steven Stamkos and tried to get him to sign with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And in that point in time, we weren't ready. We didn't have the building blocks that we have now to attract a Tavares or, you know, an aging player like Spezza, you know, or Marlowe, just to name a couple. But yeah, I mean, you have to be an attractive market to play in. And Toronto getting those players to be able to add to a core and then add players to it afterwards Really helped, and you look at teams like Calgary with Goudreau and Monahan. You can even go um, and look over in Vancouver now with Hughes, and you have Vertanen, and you have, uh, um, oh my God, Pedersen. You know what I mean? So you, you have to make an attractive yeah. place to play, and people don't want to sign there. Yeah, for sure.
2: It's well, uh, you know, uh, it, it, there's a lot of yeah, a, a lot of pressure is uh, you know it goes without saying.
1: Well, the other thing that's happened, Lance, recently, and we'll, we'll swing it back to the Leafs here, is the RFA situations for most teams seem to be resolved now. You have Randon signing, you have the Chuck signing, you have everyone else signing. So the Leafs now look to be the team that overpaid. Now, my way of looking at this is we may have overpaid, but we all know the cap is going to go up. We, we know what the sound was when Drysdale signed so high. Now he looks like a steal. I know the cap's going to take a little while to get these guys to deals to look well, but I'm just happy the fact that we have these guys locked up longer term and we don't have to sit and worry about it in three years and then worry about an RFA deal with arbitration rights where the qualifying offer so high. We can just sit back and enjoy the fact that we have Marner, we have Matthews, Nylander, and Janssen, you name it, for anywhere from three to six seasons. I'm wondering where you guys fall on this and, how you guys feel about the RFA situations all being resolved, and the Leafs looking like they came out overpaying?
2: Well, you know what they—I uh, you know, guess a lot of this could have been done earlier. There's one fumble that Kyle Dubas made; it was not taking care of this stuff uh, a little earlier, starting with uh, starting with Nylander, and then uh, the other two guys that he—you uh, know—that uh, he could have uh, wrapped up earlier. It, it, it went on. Far too long, a little animosity there. However, uh, everyone is back in, uh, you know, is, is back uh, in the house, uh, you know, and uh, Matthews uh, certainly is a, a guy we uh, we hadn't mentioned yet, but uh, he's in for uh, the long haul also. Uh, Tavares has a long-term deal. Uh, so now you can see a lot of that uh, coming together. Now, beyond uh, next year, there will be some uh, questions on defense and whether they can bring in Morgan Riley long-term, that kind of thing. But uh, it's a good move, I think, to finally have this put bed as you guys say and uh if the league can remain healthy then uh, you know you, you look at things they were able to do on their uh, on their power play when they can put uh, you know when you can cross lines and put uh, different people out uh, you know it's uh it's going to be quite potent i think uh, offensive wise now what that is going to look like in springtime uh, teams uh, you know bear down a little bit uh, it's going to be different but i think you're Definitely going to look at a, a club that uh, is going to make the playoffs and be, uh, be within 100 points and uh, maybe set some scoring records along the way.
0: Well, you know what? I'd much rather be overpaying for guys like uh, Marner and Tavares and Matthews than guys like Clarkson and Fanuff. Uh, Jason Blake. Jason Blake. Yeah, I I think we're much better off uh, paying for guys that you know probably legitimately want to be here and just wanted to make sure they got paid than guys that were just paid to be here and and you know maybe the passion wasn't quite there as much because they weren't there. You know that's kind of speculation, but certainly the, the skill level that we expected from them wasn't there. These guys are much much more likely to deliver. Uh, they're much earlier in their careers than any of those guys that we signed before, so I think we're much better off than we were before. That's for certain.
2: Well, yeah, uh, you know, different. It's like apples and oranges. There's a program out there that Mike Babcock has put in. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's goaltending. You know, uh, there there are people who want to play there. Before the, uh, you know, the there, there were a lot of uh, guys on the Leafs who were, you know, very happy to earn their earn their contracts and not go much further. There wasn't that incentive of, of as of course, uh, you know, the risk in the market of Toronto. The building is sold. People are going to love you. No matter what, and uh you know a lot of players maybe took too much advantage of that, but now I think uh the hunger's there it's a different uh a different regime it's a different outlook and uh certainly i think uh having having watched what the raptors did uh, you know there's extra motivation for these guys to end uh, what uh, hopefully is not for their fans a fifty three uh, year uh, cup drought
1: <laughs> oh man <laughs> well, you know the good thing about this squad too Lance, is. Finally something that we haven't really had is NHL level depth, and that is gonna become something that's really apparent, especially in the spring, like you were just talking about. And even if injuries do happen, I feel like we finally have a little bit of uh, the patriot way in the we'll Maple Leafs now with the next up mentality. You look at guys who came into camp and really impressed in my eyes anyway, like a cadet, um, you know, like um you look at obviously sure and agostino um even Matt Reed, I know mm-hmm. we signed him to an aHL deal today, but that is another player that really did excite me um you know, you know he has the NHL release, so if if you need to, that's another player you can bring up, but it finally feels like we have depth even on defense you know with uh with gravel or gravel and other players mm-hmm. you know it seems like we finally have that depth going on
2: oh yeah, and you know there's probably going to be a lot of angry uh players who show up to uh, the Marley camp. In the next couple of days with uh, Sheldon Keefe, uh, a lot of those guys you mentioned, uh, you know, Agostino, Gaudet, uh, a lot of the uh, the guys who thought they were going to go uh, a little farther than would be uh, another one who thought they were going to get uh, spots with the Leafs and didn't. But I think when it all shakes down, um, they, they do have that. But uh, the one thing with the Marlies is they, they still have a, a mandate to bring some kids along. Uh, Kilivani was a, uh, a player that we didn't get to see much of in in, uh, in training camp, uh, I think they'll have to look at uh, Christian Rubens and players like that to uh, get, you know, and Jeremy Bracco especially, last year's leading scorer. Uh, yes. And if uh, Timothy Liljegren has to go down, uh, we have to, you know, uh, look at possibly. So I think there's going to be um, some, you know, some uh, reservation made for some of the younger guys to excel down there. But you're right, certainly they have a lot of uh, NHL uh NHL veteran type uh, players who can move right up now you know it's it's keeping them happy down there I guess they're not going to be happy riding the buses to uh Syracuse Utica or Grand Rapids or whatever but uh it, it is uh you know it, you know as Babcock said the other day it's it's not a far uh it's not far-fetched that you don't make the team on uh on opening day but you could be there within a few days so uh I think the roster's uh is very much
0: in flux to me the best possible sign you can have of a, of a good solid roster is that you're cutting guys that maybe you don't really want to cut you know guys that could be in the nhl or, or could be on your team very easily but there's just not room for them and i feel like this is the first year in a few years where we don't we're not we're having that issue that's that's just that's such a good problem to have and yeah i just uh yeah oh wait, yeah. sorry
2: yeah no you're right they uh you know the i think back to that day i think it was july 24th they signed about seven or eight of these guys to yep. uh to minimum yep. contracts and right there the idea was uh you know if it, 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 two things if they don't make the team uh somebody else will take them on waivers and thus save uh you know say the least, from losing someone else or these guys will uh go down with uh you know with a real uh pissed off attitude and want to come back even harder and uh you know if if that's the way the leafs want to go and give these guys lots of uh you know lots of rope to prove themselves down on the farm then uh then some of them will be back sooner than later
0: uh lance i'm interested uh if you had to pick you know the the three guys that had maybe the the, the best camp maybe specifically guys that are on the bubble and then three guys that had the worst camp uh who, who might those guys be who would you want to uh, draw attention to on either end of the spectrum there
2: Oh, that's a very good question. I think, uh, you know, I I was uh, surprised at Rasmus Sandin, certainly, uh, that, uh, you know, I I thought he'd be good. Uh, You know, a lot of people, you know, were perceived that Timothy, he and Timothy Lillard last year were neck and neck. Then you saw Sandin sort of pull ahead in the AHL playoffs. Then you come into this year, and I think uh, uh, given the, uh, you know, given the level of confidence he had, and oddly enough, he gets partnered with – Martin Marincin is a you know harder to kill off than a vampire, I guess. As far as a lot of uh, you know of all the people who've uh, taken swipes at him, myself included, over the uh, over the course of the last couple of years, uh, Marincin playing with Sandine looks uh, quite uh, you know quite comfortable. So that's yep. one of them. I-, I thought Trevor Moore, who uh, was as good as his word, uh, I went down a lot to the uh, to the summer skates. In August, talked to him a lot, and uh, he was unfazed, by, uh, especially by that date I mentioned where the six or seven uh, new guys were signed to minimum contracts, and that was uh, was a direct challenge to him. I thought he looked pretty good as well and uh, has a couple of shorthanded goals, and uh, there you go. He's on the team to start again, a guy who was undrafted, nobody heard of, and uh, actually, ironically enough, got called up to replace uh austin matthews last year uh on the roster anyway <laughs> and uh has done well and the third would be michael hutchinson who uh you know the, the, the great goaltending battle never materialized with michael norworth uh no. because uh the latter sort of self-destructed it no, but uh hutchinson has done a pretty good job he went out with uh with anderson a few times here in the summer and uh has hit it off with him and if he can be the right guy at the right time to take those 25 to 30 starts away then you have a a fresher frederick anderson come playoff time disappointments uh i don't know i mean i uh i, I thought uh, there would be more from you know it, it's hard to limit it to, to three and i don't know if you can call it disappointment but there just wasn't a lot of time to look at uh, an agostino uh or a or a cadet uh, and of course uh garrett wilson got hurt and didn't play so there was a uh, some issue there ben harper i guess would have to be uh you know considered a bit of a disappointment uh you know to, a lot of people who've seen uh, the Leafs get pushed around a lot would think that a big guy like that would be the perfect, uh, uh, you know, guy to have on defense. But uh, he won't—he uh, won't start uh, with the team. Maybe a little wooden in terms of his uh, his puck movement. So uh, those are guys I, I guess that uh, would probably want to do over in uh, in camp if they could have it again.
0: I personally, I wasn't crazy about how, how uh, Brocko did. Uh, I feel like maybe the team was pushing him a little hard. He was in a lot of their social media stuff before the season, and I don't know. I just didn't see that reflected in the level of his play. I felt like the entire time he was kinda lagging behind the play, struggling to keep up and wasn't really reading the the stuff at an n h l level and oh I think there was one game in particular one of the uh one of the uh the b team the b squad so to speak uh games. Where he looked, he just looked out of place, and I don't know if that was because it, his heart wasn't in it, and you knew he wasn't playing with uh, the big names or what it was. But I was disappointed in Bracco. To me, that that was a standout. Uh, I was also uh, I was hoping for more of a battle for the goaltending position, but it's nice that Hutchison just looked like he was on every single time. So you know, good and bad. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with uh, with Bracco being my big disappointment. <laughs> That sounds so harsh.
1: <laughs> for me, the boys, the big disappointment for coming out of my eyes with uh with Schmaltz. I mean, you look at the side, the right side, there is an open opportunity there for him to come yes, in yeah. and really walk into a job and he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything to earn it, to want it. Um, you know, other guys outplayed him. Uh, you can go down the list and I really thought that Schmaltz might have a chance to crack the opening night roster. And really, Doug, as you were just talking about Bracco with the disin- disinterest, you know, it really showed me that Schmaltz kind of had that. Maybe he felt like, well, I'm going to be on this team; it doesn't really matter. I don't need to put he in the effort. He looked good I the first know. game, too. Obviously, these guys, yeah, obviously these guys are NHL players, and uh, you know, all of them want to play. But sometimes I think maybe you can get in your own head and think the fact that, well, I already got the job secure, or I'm the more experienced guy, et cetera, et cetera. And the to touch on your your Bracco thing there. It was funny because at the beginning of camp, and Lance, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Casperi Kapanen who made the quip that he's got vision to pass the puck, but his skating is something else to watch. And that may be something he needs to work on with Barb Underhill, maybe like uh, a Frederick Gauthier has. Obviously, the GOAT has uh, taken huge strides to come into where he is, but if there's a knock on him, I guess it's his skating, as Kapanen said. So, wondering what your thoughts are there.
2: Well, uh is an interesting case. Uh, again, a guy, who he, he was there like all summer. He didn't, uh, you know, uh, I think virtually from the time the Marlies got eliminated, he was in camp and doing some of that work with Barb Underhill and other people. But I, I think he just got uh, outstripped. I mean, there's no, uh, yep. you know, um, there's Kerfoot coming in and uh, the decision to, uh, you know, uh, go uh, w- with some of those other, uh, you know, and I guess... Uh, you know, moving Spets around to the wing, if they decide that, uh, I am surprised he didn't beat out a guy like Timishov, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, deserving nonetheless, um, it is a little bit of a shocker that uh, Bracco didn't get considered ahead of those guys. But at the same point, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think he was going to make it when I looked at the, uh, when I looked at the roster, uh, his time isn't now, I think it's going to be for, uh, you know, uh, another full season with them, or at least maybe to grow a bit, get in there. And, uh, you know uh, i guess the Leafs already have uh, a perimeter winger like Nylander and don't need another one in uh, as far as um, as far as bracco's concerned that would be my uh, that would be my take on that
1: well the other thing i want to talk about we were talking about goaltending with hutchinson and obviously Freddie anderson you know having the bond over the summer like you said uh, a player that i'm really wondering about is joseph wool um you know the brick wool um obviously he is very high on the leafs roster radar for a prospect and they're thinking of high things for him i'm wondering what you saw to him from camp for me when he came in with relief he looked solid he looked like a goaltender you know that you may want to be able to to use in the future especially when anderson kind of ages out of where he is now um is he someone that we should be keeping serious tabs on or is it just more sta kind of hype from like last year
2: i don't know there's a, a good uh you know a, he's certainly nice to talk to and there's some good uh, stories associated with him how he was watching uh, he's from st louis and how he watched the blues you know win the cup from boston of all places because he goes uh, to bc and uh, now he can toss into that game like uh, like you said and uh you know he's you know he's a real genuine kid he reminds me a lot of ken reggett when when he came up kind of a uh real real down-to-earth kid and he's not he's uh, the By a lot. That said, uh, you know, I I think uh, Ian Scott's come uh, a long way. I I think Scott's junior team, the year he was drafted, wasn't very good. He's moved up a bit. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Sheldon Keith and I guess Kyle Dubas and, uh, you know, and the management team of the Marlies decide how they're going to play those two versus, uh, you know, uh, Casimir Cascasuo, I think is a good, uh, you know, fallback position. I can't see the Marlies with all that talent, though, going you know, strictly with the two kids. One of them I guess may work up with the Newfoundland Growlers and a uh you know, in a full time role down there, so it should be interesting. But uh Wall is a kid to look at, but uh, you know, I, I don't see Anderson slowing down for a few years yet.
0: I mean, wall while, while uh, we know we had a broken finger uh, around the beginning of the month, um, that type of thing as a goaltender, you can't, you can't underestimate how much that might affect a, a goalie's mental state. Like just knowing that anytime the puck hits, hits your hand, I'm not sure if it was his block or his glove hand, but regardless, you know, that the puck's going to hit you there eventually, and it's going to hurt. And just having that on in the back of your mind, that's going to affect how you play. So I just, I don't feel like we've yeah, seen yeah, the really. real wall yet. <laughs>
2: yeah i i guess so he's uh you know it will be he'll get a full uh you know he'll get a full rundown with the uh the Marlies and they have a pretty good uh, goalie coach, john elkin there and i think uh wall will probably just based on how well he played at camp that uh he'll get the lion's share of work down there and uh we'll have to see what uh what happens with uh, with ian scott if he uh, gets the uh, the chance to come up and uh if he makes a you know, if you miss uh, a bit right now, though, it's a uh, wall's job. And I think they have a pretty good plan B in,
1: uh, in Pasco. Well, definitely. Well, there's the, uh, the big elephant in the room, Lance, that we haven't talked about yet. And that is um, obviously Austin Matthews. We have a lot of things to cover. Um, we know what happened with Austin in May. Um, the situation is unfolding still, as we speak. Um, lots of speculation on what's going to happen with Austin Matthews. Will he uh, be sat by the Maple Leafs for a couple of games as maybe punishment when everything wraps up? Is he going to get to see? Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are and also what the mood is around the team with this situation. Obviously, you're there and covering them. Um, uh, this broke. Uh, the Leafs didn't know about it. Babcock, Dubis didn't know about it. Um, obviously, the agent and player thought it was best to keep it from the team. Um, does this now kick into gear a different era for Dubas where, you know, the playhouse is now closed and it's now going to be a more buttoned up business, serious land, or is it still going to be operated as more carefree than when Lou was here? I'm wondering what your thoughts are and Matthew's kind of disrespecting Dubas in a sense.
2: Well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I was just actually, it's funny reading over some, uh, some stuff about, uh, he was talking about how he wanted Austin, you know, to have interest outside of uh, of, of hockey, of, uh, you know, of he saw nothing wrong with, uh, with, you know, with fashion, with Fortnite, with, you know, being on the cover of all those uh, Xbox games and that kind of thing. He thinks kids should have a, uh, you know, kids should have interest outside of hockey. You now, certainly uh, that, uh, you know, that trust was betrayed to a certain degree with what happened, in Scottsdale uh, a few months ago, but I don't see that as being, um, you know, I, I certainly think Matthews deserved to, to have the captaincy taking, taken away from him at that stage. He still, still has uh, some, some uh, you know, some growing up uh, maturity issues to take care of, but I don't see this uh, festering anymore, um, you know, to, to to suspend him or uh, keep us hanging over. And that's only going to make matters worse. So I think what they do is uh, get the captaincy out of the way, uh, probably John Tavares in the next couple of days, uh, give the A's to Morgan Riley and uh, and Jake Muzzin uh, maybe, and, uh, and move on from there. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe next year, revisit some sort of uh, leadership role, uh, at least with the letter, as far as Matthews is concerned. Let the guy play. He's going to be a, a big part of the team going forward. Don't dwell on this anymore. It's been, you know, it, it was a bad decision by him. I think he genuinely regrets it. I, I think his, uh, you know, I think the worst is set to come when he goes into some of those visiting arenas and, uh, and you know, and sees all the captain yeah. underpants signs and all the, uh, all the grief he's going to get. But uh, I think it's going to be a better, uh, you know, I think uh, long-term he'll... He'll be a better uh, person for, for going through this and uh I, I can't believe that uh you know, especially a new age GM like Dubis is gonna is gonna hold this against him or, or change any of the philosophy he's had to uh you know, to to let these uh let these young players uh, you know, mature and uh or you know, grow grow organically or whatever the uh, the term he used the other day is.
0: There's a right way to handle this situation. Um we know that Matthews is capable of it. Uh, We know that the Leafs organization, Dubis and them, we know they're capable of handling this situation the right way. Um, There's, you know, personally, I'd like to see some sort of donation to a women's shelter. I feel like that's a really like on the nose type of thing that could be done. Uh, But that just goes to show that this is something that can be handled in a mature way where Matthews comes away from it as a better person and other guys on the Leafs, other, other players, other people in the organization can learn from it and grow from it and Make everybody better, not just people in the Leafs and the organization, but make everybody all all that vitriol and hatred on Twitter and all that stuff. That's not the right way to react to something like this. If you want someone to improve and change who they are, you, you have to embrace the things that they do wrong and accept that there's a way for them to improve themselves and show them the way that that is. So I, that's, that's my feelings on it. Um, it, it's certainly not as heinous as some of the, uh, what the other guys in the NHL have, has done. It's, it's definitely not an inconsequential thing that occurred, but you know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, ah, I'm not even gonna, I don't even want to say it, but you know, there's, there's worse things you can do than what he did. Um, I'm just glad that he didn't do those things.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And the fact that a lot of it was caught on camera is bad on him. Yeah. You know, and that he didn't tell the team is bad on him. And that's, that's the worst. Uh, that might be that the worst really, part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That really sunburned the, uh, the Leafs. So, he, uh, you know, he, he's, got some, <laughs> he's got some rebuilding of trust to do. But uh, also, uh, uh, you know, like all will winning winning cures all things. I think if he goes out and has a banner year uh, by April, people are going to uh, – have forgotten about it but uh, it certainly doesn't excuse his behavior uh, that on that one particular night
0: I want to I want to throw out as a sleeper option for captain because I don't hear hardly anybody talking about it Uh, I've mentioned it on our show uh, before any of this actually happened before any of the Matthew stuff came out in the public I mentioned that I thought a good choice would be Zach Hyman and I'm gonna say it again now Uh, just for my reasoning is that this is a guy that is soft-spoken is well spoken has started a charity was born in the city of Toronto uh, he just he leads by example, and I also feel possibly most important in the city of Toronto, in a city and a team that has notoriously degraded the performance of uh, players by giving them the C. Uh, that he would be have his play elevated by being given the captaincy unlike some of the other guys where you might be taking a bit of a risk I'm thinking primarily of Morgan Riley where you give a guy like that a captaincy and it it will affect the way he plays much in the way that it affect Dion Phaneuf you know Phaneuf before he got the captaincy he was smashed around bashing crashing guys in he was much more of a, a mean player he got the captaincy and all of a sudden he thought he had to act differently And maybe he did, you know, maybe that's, that's part of the the territory of being a captain, but it didn't affect him in his, in his play in a positive way. In my opinion, Um, I feel like you give that to Riley and you get to the same sort of thing. He's not going to take as many of those risky rushes rush type chances that he would, if he was just wearing an A or not wearing a letter at all. And I just feel like you, you give that to, to Hyman. You're saying you're doing what you should be doing. You're doing what we want players to do and continue doing that and do it more. And whereas you give it to a guy like Riley, and he's just there's there's too many stipulations attached to it. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on, you know, as a sleeper pick, as arguably probably much less likely than Tavares to get the captaincy, or even Morgan Riley. What you thought of that that proposal by Doug by me?
2: Well, <laughs> if uh, if if you're well, I would say if, if that's your sleeper pick, I would. Uh, I would uh, I would sleep on it a bit more. <laughs> there's, there's, that is to say, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with naming like a guy a Hyman captain. But uh, first of all, all those attributes you mentioned—that's Tavares in a nutshell. He, you know, also Toronto born, also has all those at- attributes. Secondly, uh, Morgan Riley has been through this whole. You know, six or seven years—a homegrown leaf through all. You know, he's been bad to good. Hasn't lost his composure. He's had a couple of minor, uh, you know, dust-ups with uh, off-ice incidents, and he's been able to uh, come through there. I-, I would think he'd be a great second choice to uh, to Tavares if that's uh, if that's what happened. That's nothing against Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, he's uh, he is a very personable, but I think he's he's just he's just too quiet for the off-ice role, which which the Leafs. Uh, want they they need uh he, he's not a very not a very vocal guy he tends to be you know tries to be a little uh, politically correct i think and that uh you know and, and that is is you know might might hamper him I, I think he might be a guy who'd be affected adversely by being captain and take him away from the, from the great player and the uh the great person he is that would be my opinion
0: that's why hockey is great everybody's got different opinions <laughs>
1: yeah well Lance, one question I want to ask about the captaincy. We all knew that it was going to be maybe Austin Matthews. But um, I'm wondering the fact that it's not going to Matthews. Is it going to affect him? You know, when teams take away the C from a player, it affects them. But what happens now with Austin Matthews? What is his thought process? How does he feel? And is this going to affect him going forward? Or is he didn't know this is something that he brought on himself and now he has to deal with the repercussions?
2: No, I I don't think it's uh, you know uh, I, I think he's I think he's well past the worst of it now. Uh, the worst he's going to face now is going to other cities. I think people there's too much involved with the year starting off. Unless he starts off and goes right in the tank, which I can't see him. I don't see this affecting him at all. I think he's uh, he's taken his lumps the last uh, few days, and uh, you know it hasn't obviously affected him on the ice. Now, granted, the Leafs haven't played any. Uh, you know, any real games yet, quote unquote. But uh I think, you know, just just uh just kinda knowing him and knowing the way that Leaf Dressinger works, uh, you know, he's they're gonna, you know, they're they're going to hold him to account, but also I think uh he's ready, knows that uh he has to be a better a better player and a better person. I think he's by that already. And I, I certainly don't think you, you know he got boot or anything uh like that in the home games he'll Get some abuse uh, away from Toronto, but uh, I think he's well on the road to uh, to recovering from this. That's my opinion.
1: Well, let's shift our focus to the full roster. Obviously, opening night is just a couple days away. Finally, we are here. Now, I got to ask you: We talked about surprises and disappointments in camp. Who is your main surprise that is going to be on this roster? Um, For me, it's going to be Rasmus Sandin obviously I didn't expect him to come on as fast and as hard as he, he did. And also Dmitry Timoshev is another player that I was really excited about because I've always liked him from his Q days. I know he has a sick release and a great wrist shot, but who is your, you, I can't believe this guy's on the squad.
2: Oh, I know we sort of covered this a little bit, but uh, I would, you know, I, I would, uh, I would say it's, uh, it's, Sandine to a certain degree just because they brought in some veteran guys who were going to uh, supposedly fill in some of that, uh, some of that role. And certainly Harper, uh, you know, with all the talk, the least needed toughness on defense. I can't believe that Harper isn't there uh, without, uh, you know, you know, he didn't have a a great camp, but uh, I really thought they'd be more patient with him, or at least keep him as the, uh, the seven, eight option. So that's interesting, and uh, and and by by extension, having Marinch in there again. I mean, he's uh, I know he's the many people considering the analytics darling, <laughs> but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, like his you know his positional play, and if he doesn't play or doesn't have that kind of deer in the headlights. Uh, Look about him that sometimes is, uh, has hampered his NHL career. Uh, you know, as I say, he's uh, he, he plays well with uh, with Sandin. Maybe this maybe this is what he needed. He just needed that uh, you know a permanent partner, a young guy. He can he can take care of his own end and let uh, let Sandin go. But let's remember, there's four pretty decent defensemen ahead of them. I think are going to get more uh, more of the ice time anyway. I think maybe we're not looking at uh, Sandin. As uh, you know, he played 30 minutes together the other night. That's not going to happen with four pretty good uh, defensemen ahead of him. I think the the Leafs will be able to uh, to get by, uh, you know, with uh, you know, in small doses with uh, Sandin until he gets uh, much more comfortable uh, up front. Uh, interesting. You know, Timoshkov is there, but I, I think that whole fourth line is going to be quite uh, quite fluid. I'm surprised. I think that. Uh, you know how uh, I think the thing to watch, I guess, in, uh, in in a different perspective, will be how well Kesperi Kapanen does, for lack of a better word, on that line with Tavares. It's a guy who digs for pucks. He's certainly big. He's uh, you know, he's certainly fast. Uh, bigger than Hyman, as a matter of fact. But uh, you know, Hyman has that uh, that extra gear to go after pucks. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can work. Um, you know, if they can work Kaffen in there, and the other thing I'm interested to see is whether uh, they they get uh, William Nylander interested in playing a better uh, a better brand of, of offense going to the net. There's a lot of uh, cycle play, uh, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of perimeter play that I think um, you know Nylander has to has to get through. Has to uh, has to show them something different. Got a great release, of course, and uh, on the power play, I think the X race is going to help him, but uh, he's still. You know, is uh, is questionable. I think in the heavy traffic, and, and that's going to uh, that's going to affect him uh, as far as that goes. And of course, Goche is back there on uh, once again. He survives, um, but uh, a big body. I think who's uh, you know good on face off So there's some, you know, there's some merit to keeping him there. We'll have to see if uh, if the grand plan of Mike Babcock works out as far as that goes.
0: I feel like the longer you have a big guy playing a specific role. The more likely he is to realize that he's a big guy, if he doesn't already. And Gauthier is definitely a type of player that doesn't play to his size. So, I feel like the more time we give Gauthier, the more we're going to see that come out. Uh, but what I want to know, what you think? Uh, what do you do when Zach Hyman ultimately comes back? If if the roster's you know humming along at that point, do you, do you disrupt it and drop him back in the lineup? And if you do, who do you who do you drop out of where? And just what are your thoughts on that whole situation that's going to loom on the horizon oh, awfully wait. shortly?
2: you put Hyman back exactly where he was, move Kapanen back to third line. It's sort of, uh, you know, I think the thing that may uh, may come into play there is whether or not uh, Nylander is effective with uh, with Matthews at that point. Uh, you know, Kapanen has uh, has excelled in many ways uh, and certainly he might be able to move up in uh, in a different role. And, and if it isn't, then uh, he's on the third line. He's certainly uh, obviously a much better offensive player than Frederick Gauthier. Interesting to see uh, Kerfoot Kapanen uh how that uh how that spells out and uh, i guess the guy we haven't mentioned at all yet is Ilya Mikolov. he's uh you know they've they virtually handed this guy who we haven't spoken to in the media yet because they can't seem to find us an interpreter for him maybe that's why they kept Timosha who speaks uh, some excellent <laughs> russian so we'll have to see uh, what makes this guy tick and uh you know i thought he came on towards the end of camp he was a little hesitant at first at uh, getting used to uh not the language so much because that's uh you know, that's something that's more off ice, but I think the size of the rink really hindered him. And now I think you are seeing a, a bit more of what this guy can do.
1: No, I'm really high on uh, Mikaev. I can't wait to see what he can do. Um, obviously driving the puck. And I said it a lot of times during the preseason, it seemed like when he was in the game, the third period for whatever reason was when he turned it on. But the last game, you know, squeezing along the boards and doing all those little plays that you want a player to do, especially on the third or fourth line. Um, you know, driving the play really hard. I really like what he brought there. And the fact, I know he should have took a penalty on it, but when he was going to battle for the puck with the Kaiser, I think it was, and he just shrugged him off like he was a, a you know swatting a fly and threw him away. I was like, wow, this this guy's got some power, some speed, and some size. So I'm pretty, pretty excited to see what he can bring. And I agree with you, Lance. I think Hyman goes right back to that top line. Kapanen drops down. The the problem that I I think is going to have with this roster is what do you do with a guy like Trevor Moore um, on that third line? Do you drop him down to the fourth? But if he's doing well, and obviously we've seen what he can do, like you said, he's been working hard all summer. Um, Don't you want to reward that and keep him going and keep him humming along and maybe drop a Mikheyev or someone else to that bottom line?
2: well you're just you're just guessing at this point because we don't know right we haven't seen the real games we haven't seen yeah. the real shooting we haven't seen yep. them in back to backs we haven't seen uh you know who who comes out of the first week uh or the first month of the injuries at least play four back to backs in uh in October alone, and I think that's gonna dictate how uh you know how they're gonna use maybe extra defensemen maybe they move forwards uh in and out uh and see how that works uh, you know how that's the big test for Hutchinson so I think uh I think that's an issue that you cross a bridge when you come to it.
0: I mean, mikhaev he hasn't even played that much American hockey. He's, you know, he's been over in Russia and I know it's, no, it's not as quite as drastic of a de- difference as, uh, you know, like even 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, but it's still there. Like not only do you, do you have a guy that isn't necessarily used to this size of ice, isn't necessarily used to, uh, this style of hockey, uh, on top of that you, you have he's probably one of the least scouted players on the leafs i mean i know you know the Leafs have lots of uh resources they probably sent scout overlooked him but just just by virtue of the fact that he's only ever played in the khl and uh in international hockey this is uh you know th- this is a guy that we haven't gotten as good of a look at as a lot of the other players and i think that uh that'll work to his advantage because when you have a clean slate with a player like that you it's uh it's much easier for him to to stand out, and uh, you get off to a good start, you know, with a with a clean slate like that, and uh, it makes you look really good. So, yeah, I think it's all, like you just said, Lance. It's gonna it's gonna come down to how can he, how will he perform during regular season games, and not just regular season games, but you know, multiple games in in a within a week or so. That's that's really what it's gonna come down to. Is is can he stand up to the uh, the style of NHL hockey that uh, that they have these days? <laughs> that they have these days. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, you know, they they obviously saw something they liked. Remember, he's not a kid too. They've, uh, yeah, you know, twenty five, um, I think. They that he's played, yeah, he's played four full seasons in the KHL over there. It's not as though they're bringing over, uh, you know, somebody brand new. But yeah. I mean, they have, they said the same things about uh, Nikita Soshnikov. They said the same things about uh, Ozhiganov last year that he wasn't a kid, that he was going to uh, make a big uh, make a big splash here. But it hasn't so uh, you know uh, hopefully for their sake this time they get it right.
1: So we're talking about in and out roster movement and things like that. When Hyman comes back, the other key component is when Dermott comes back around. Is he going to be straddled into that second pairing, and is Marintin the guy to go, or do the Leafs go out and make a deal and trade away Cody Cece and his four point five million dollar cap hit? Um, that seems to be the more likely thing. Maybe showcase him until Dermot comes back, and then move move him out. Um, obviously Marinson and Sandine seem to have a little bit of a relationship going on. I believe he called him the big or my my big or something like that. What Sandine said about Marinson, but I'm wondering, Lance, what do you do there when Dermot comes in? Who's the guy that you be sitting because you already have Lilligren sitting in the press box? Um, just wondering who else you know might be leaving the team.
2: Well, first of all, I, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, they may, uh, um, Liljegren does not require a waiver, so he could go down at any time. So uh, that, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't see them keeping him when you know that uh, he'd be better off playing uh, full minutes with the Marlies. Secondly, again, it's early to say, uh, you know, Dermot when Dermot comes back, he's probably going to take need more time maybe than um uh, than uh, then Hyman with a shoulder issue. It's going to be, it's a bit different for him to try and, uh, you know, uh, maybe exert himself uh, a little more. But, uh, you know, the, the one good thing about this is, is like, uh, I, I guess the, the silver lining here is the Leafs are going to get a good look at Sandine to see what he can do. They're going to get a good look at whether it's a good pairing with Marincin. And, uh, if you know, if, if the worst that comes back is that uh, the worst that happens is that when Dermot comes back, he's the fifth guy, and they got to move uh, other people around. I I believe both he and Sandine are lefties. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a, you know, it's there are worse things that could happen. I guess uh, I I think they'll make it all work somehow. And who's to say that one of the top four is either injured or might be? Uh, you know, maybe they try and move him around with Sandine. We'll have to see. I don't, uh, you know, I I just think they want to get Dermot back and healthy first of all, and and worry about the rest when that happens.
0: Well, uh, one conversation I'm sure that uh, nobody that's currently on this podcast right now thought that we would be having uh, six months ago is, is Spezza going to be an everyday player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, or did uh, Babcock maybe tip his hand with the, quote, we'll see how Shore does, end quote, basically saying it'll be like an in-and-out thing? What do you think?
2: Well, you know what, uh, uh, Spezza described himself uh, to us as uh, he hopes to be the Swiss Army Knife on the Maple Leafs and certainly he's got to adjust to a lot of things like a, a different role. He's going to have to come in and, uh, you know, play a lot less than he's used to. And that's going to be difficult for him, especially finally back in Toronto, where uh, he probably, you know, uh, hoped he would be uh, a very long time ago growing up as a, uh, as a Leaf fan and that, uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, sure. I haven't seen enough of to think, but I, uh, you know, that's, a, that's the second time, uh, uh babcock has i guess publicly put a little needle in spezza to get him to go a bit more maybe uh you know that was that's was very much a um a kyle dubas uh, project but i gotta know that the way you know mike babcock uh values veteran help and needs somebody there because of having lost uh you know uh, ron ainsey and patrick Marlowe, i think uh you know i yeah. think he really values what spezza can bring to the dressing room so i think uh you know, I, I I think you give uh, Jason Spezza every uh, chance you can to uh, you know to excel in this new role to kill penalties and that. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to have to see, and we'll have to see more of what Nick Shore can do before you uh, make a call on that.
1: Absolutely. So with the with the opening night roster now set, um, you know, with Spezza obviously going to be on the fourth line, this team seems pretty locked in. What do you expect to see out of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season? Um, Are you looking at another 100-point team? Or are they going to kind of, I I wouldn't say like the Boston Bruins, so to speak, because I don't know if our backup is is quite the same, but are they going to take a more uh, tempered approach to minutes and players played and see what they can get out of these guys later in the season? Or do you think it's just going to be full throttle, full board, just like the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, and just see where you end up?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. I think uh, uh first of all, uh they have to get through it's a big hump early in the season. 30 out of their first 36 games, I think 20 of them are on the road, so you're going to have to see a uh you know, you'll have to see some some flexibility there, maybe using that entire roster to see what can uh, what can uh what can happen. I I you know, asked Kyle Duvis early in the year was uh you know, what kind of pressure Babcock was under in terms of uh you know, the the uh sort of negativity that's uh followed him a little bit since the playoffs and he said all I want is this team to be playing better and be more cohesive at playoff time and obviously be in the playoffs of course um but and, and I think there's there's a lot to that is that uh you know if if the Leafs do well in the uh in the playoffs it's not going to matter if they go full board like uh, Tampa Bay did uh you know St. Louis uh let's face it in the last place at one point came up in the Really, uh, from the back and just uh, beat everybody over the head, and where they were, they were standing at the end, and it would be a, a great story if uh, you know the Leafs were able to do something like that. They're not going to sneak up on anybody, of course, with all the uh, attention paid to them. But I think if they can become and or uh, you know grow some organic uh, toughness over the uh, the course of the year, and certainly in playoffs, maybe use some of that uh, the sting of defeat that followed them from the two series against Boston. And Washington. There'll be they'll be a better team at the end. And I you know, I, I have no uh, reservations that some of those weaker teams in the East and certainly the West at least are gonna take advantage of and, and use that to bank some points and certainly get close to another hundred point season.
1: That sounds good to me. Well Lance, <laughs> I know that you Well, Lance, I know that you have a, uh, a book on the way, and I want you to let us know about this book. Obviously, it's going to be something that people can read between leaf games to keep the leaf juices flowing. Um, give us a breakdown <laughs> what the book's about, and where can we get it? When's it available? I'm excited for this.
2: Funny you should ask. Tomorrow, actually, it, uh, it officially goes on sale. It's called If These Walls Could Talk. It's about the uh, tales from the Maple Leafs in the locker room, the press box, uh, traveling, uh, all kinds of stuff. Not just on the Leafs, but I go right back to the, uh, the first year of the franchise, 1917-18, with the uh, Toronto Arenas. A story about uh, a guy named uh, Harry Mummery. He was a defenseman uh, on the team and uh, renowned uh, for, uh, for his girth, let's say, and uh, his, uh, his uh, voracious appetite. And one day, uh, the uh, somebody went to the maintenance room uh, in the boiler room at uh, Mutual Street Arena, which was the uh, original home of the franchise. And there was Harry with a giant steak on a shovel, holding it over the uh, open flame to uh, make himself some breakfast before uh, before the game. So uh, he was uh, he was uh, he was quite a character. And I could just go right right through that with a lot of, uh, you know, King Clancy, uh, you know, everybody knows uh, coming to the Leafs uh, as part of the, of a horse race bed. And uh, a lot of, uh, you know, as, speaking of uh, weighty Maple Leafs, of course, uh, Turk Broda and, uh, you know, uh, when Kant Smythe took some uh, some publicity away from the Grey Cup that was in Toronto telling Broda he had to lose weight or he was uh, going to be benched. And uh, the whole city following this thing is Turk uh, jogged through the streets of Toronto with children chasing after him and, and cheering him on, so all the way to all the nuttiness of uh, of Harold Ballard and all the uh, antics uh, he got up to. Uh, everyone knows the famous quote about the uh, six eggs in the pocket with uh, Inga Hammerstrom and how he complained that uh, Hammerstrom could go into the corner and not break any of them because he was such a uh, you know such an uh, you know such an unaggressive player. And then, of course, what happens? Uh, Ten, fifteen years later, uh, Ballard uh, wheelchair bound, unfortunately, at this point was at the NHL draft in Minnesota. Uh, the guy pushing his chair hit a, hit a bump as they were going onto the the draft floor. Ballard flew out of the chair and was caught by none other than Inga Hammerstrom, who, uh, happened to be standing right beside the gate. So anyway, a lot of uh, great stuff of that. And uh, some, uh, you know, right up to some modern day antics with, uh, with, uh, William Nylander and, uh, and Kasperi Kapanen and that. So, uh, thanks a lot for the plug guys. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's uh, published by by uh, Triumph Books out of Chicago and available on Amazon. So uh, hopefully uh, everyone uh, can pick up a copy sometime. Makes a great uh, stocking stuffer for Christmas.
1: All right. I was about to say, you know, that big holiday is coming just around the corner. So that might be something you want to pick up for your Leafs fan and the family. Uh, the other thing we were talking about a little bit earlier, Lance, uh, while we were getting to prep ready for the episode, is, um, you know, all the great writing that goes on to The Sun – and you guys do a lot of great work for the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously writing about them and the NHL season preview. Um, can you break down some of that stuff for us too? Just let us know what's out there and, uh, you know, drive some people into to reading those articles and making sure they're, they're talking about the NHL from the sun.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, what, uh, I just had some, uh, I just uh, finished off uh, 10 storylines uh, on the Leafs, which uh, are coming out, and which we've uh, certainly talked about a little bit uh, here tonight. I had the NHL from A to Z uh, with, uh, you know uh, what to look for for uh, for fans, and that we have uh, writers across the country breaking down uh, all the Canadian cities and uh, and certainly uh, great predictions on on what's going to happen and, uh, and and the big storylines. everybody everything from uh, you know concussions to um, to what's going to happen with uh, all the you know this NHL trend to put uh, service dogs uh, in each uh, dressing room. So we got it covered A to Z. There's uh, a great uh, team of uh, Sun and Post media writers across the country, so. Uh, Uh, People can look for uh, all that coming up uh, in uh, the next few days uh, in our papers and uh, certainly online.
1: Nice. Well, that's awesome. It's always good to read about the NHL and anything that's going on, and you guys do such a great job, and that is one reason why we keep coming back to you to come on the show. It's always a treat to get to talk to you. Uh, Lance, thanks so much for your time. I know this is a busy time of the year for you. So, again, thanks so much for jumping on and make sure you pick up Lance's new book and make sure you're reading everything that's out there from the Toronto Sun. Again, Lance, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. All right, so you heard it right there. That is Lance Hornby of the Toronto Sun. He covers the Toronto Maple Leafs as a beat writer, and you need to make sure you are checking everything Lance, Terry Koshan, and the crew over at the Toronto Sun are putting out. Guys, this is the start of Season 3 for Offside Hockey Talk. This is a tone we're going to set each and every week covering the Leafs. We are going to have in-depth talk, me and Doug, Doug and I, however you want to put it. It's going to be battle. It's going to be fun. We have a lot of fun things we're going to announce this season that we're going to be trying to do, like live video streams during the podcast. So stay tuned. Huge shout out to Drew and the crew over at Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. Be sure to check them out if you need your house spray foamed at msfi.ca. Again, thank you to Drew and the crew over at Muskoka. All right, guys, that's our side for this night. Have a good one.